Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. We are a bit tired, but thrilled to be welcoming all of you back to the Maroon Mike. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your co-host, Lance Dog. And it is early, but we are rotating, we are transitioning, I should say, to our Friday format. Uh, because the season is upcoming, I thought it would be better. It was we were a little bit better, better, uh, busier earlier in the week, so the kind of Tuesday or Wednesday thing wasn't working. But this is going to get you prepared for the season because once the season comes, shows will just be Friday and Monday, and we might not. I'm letting Lounge know we might not record on Friday or Monday, but they will come out Friday or Monday, just previewing each game and then backtracking it, reviewing it once it happens um and hopefully we'll have some good things to talk about during the season but as of right now expect shows from friday this week and next week and then of course the week after that we'll be previewing louisiana tech on a friday as well so like i said we're awesome to have you back uh lounge has been been about 10 days how have you been what's been going what's what's new in the life of lounge dog i ain't, I ain't getting after it trying working working hard and apparently not sleeping <laughs> yeah he said he didn't sleep last night as he told he confessed to me earlier i i'm not gonna sit here and say that i got my eight hours but i did i did go to bed last night at one point but heck, heck i never get eight hours it's six it's usually six hours you're a, you're just a night owl that's what no, I'm, I'm a morning i'm a morning person you are a morning person See, I knew something was wrong with you. Well, what do you think you get those 4 a.m. wake-up call tweets? You're right. That is, uh, of course. Now, I just thought you'd be up early for work every day, but you just decide to get up? Well, yeah, this is my off day. I'm, shoot, even on off day, I'm up at 5, 5 a.m. That is, that is the sign, the mark of a true Mississippi country boy. You know... Out on the farm, you getting up every day, regardless. Even if even if you don't have anything going on, you're getting a jump start on your day because that's just how to be the most productive version of you. That's what I'm hearing right now. Well, I'm not I'm not one to waste daylight. I know it gets hotter in the afternoon. So that is a good get point. It with, get it while it's early. That is a good point. All right, so we are uh. Moving on to what we want to talk about for today, we do have a few news and updates, some good news, some bad news, and a little bit in between. Uh, DJ Stewart has signed a contract, and the details were not in the press release, but they sound like it's a full contract. It's not even a two-way deal, which is where you can play up to 15 games with the real team. In a season, then you play the rest of the games with the G League. That's how the two-way deals work. That's what Quindary Weatherspoon signed. I think uh, Robert Woodard and um, Reggie Perry signed as well. But DJ Stewart, you know, we talked about that that decision to go to the league and how we weren't sure that was going to work out for him because he didn't get drafted at all. But if this is a full contract, then he really had no, he really didn't lose anything. I mean, he's going to be on the Miami Heat, uh, all 82 games, going to be playing. And it still might come out and say that it's a two-way deal. I wouldn't be surprised if it did, but it, right now it looks like it's not. And so that means, like I said, he's playing all 82 games. Uh, he's going to be making plenty good money. I think even the minimum for a rookie is 
more money than you and I have seen, more than likely. Uh, and I don't know, pretend to know your finances, but uh, it's up there. Yeah, it's up. So he's, he's doing he's doing better than me. I promise you that. Right. So we shouldn't. So he should not be maligned for that decision because if, again, if if this is a full contract, then he undoubtedly made the right decision for himself. Some say, more. Yes. Oh, what'd you say? I was going to say, guess the folks are talking about why he should have came back. Look <laughs> now. Yeah, that includes me. Yeah, that's uh, that's both of us. That includes me. So. Uh, Chris Lamonis, once again, I don't know why it took them so long, uh, but Baseball America just released their, you know, player of the year, freshman of the year, uh, and coach of the year. Chris Lamonis was named coach of the year. Uh, no Razorbacks were in that group and that much to their discontent. I don't know if you had anything to say about that. There were some piggies upset, mad online is how they say. Yes. Is that, is that how the phrase goes? That is correct. <laughs> they uh they took issue with Kevin Copps not being named the player of the year. And you know what? I hate to admit it, but they're right. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think both Jack Leiter and uh Kumar Rocker should have been on that list. Well, I was thinking Kumar you could make a case for Kumar because he was more consistent. Yeah, uh, when you when you look at what Coach Lamonis did, I mean, let's let's be honest. He won a national championship. I mean, that's that's a good candidate. And usually, the coach of the year is the guy that does the most with the least. And you look at you know Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, uh, Landon Sims. You would never say that Mississippi State had the least. You know that that far from it. But we saw that what we could do with you had two starters that weren't pretty much were absolutely absent in the postseason. Uh, you had and and one of them was absent for most of the season. Um, every, all four players, or excuse me, five players that started weekend games for you either missed time or was not themselves for long stretches of the season. Every all five. Will Bednar missed time early. <clears throat> of course, Eric Sarantola uh, wasn't himself. Didn't didn't become what we thought he was. Christian McLeod faded down the stretch. Uh, Houston Harding wasn't expected to start, and then in his first SEC start was abysmal. And I look. Let's just being honest. And then Jackson Fristo hit that wall, and he was able to navigate that and still bring home a national championship. So more, I've, I've never agreed more with a Coach of the Year decision. And again, usually it's that guy that makes it to a Super Regional or Omaha that wasn't expected to, blah, blah, blah. But nobody that made it to Omaha this year, uh, outside of Tennessee, was a big surprise if you go back to early in the year. Because even Virginia, they ended up being a three seed. But Virginia started off the, the year preseason top top 15. You know, So actually people were uh, – Brian O'Connor was doing a bad job, which if you ask the masses – uh, late or uh, middle middle of the year, he was like, "What what's going on with Virginia?" And then they came back, you know, with the hair on fire there at the end. 
So I totally agree with that decision. Again, nobody, you know, Stanford, NC State. I guess NC State wasn't terribly expected to be there, but I think, you know, they were, they spent a lot of the season ranked. That's probably your next – that would have been my next pick was it would be NC well, State. They were, they were projected pretty high early. Yeah, I think they were projected top five in the ACC or something like that, maybe. I don't know. The ACC was also weird because they played so many conference games, they kind of beat each other up. They played, I think, 16 conference series, which is a lot. Uh, They only had like one or two non-conference weekends. Alright, so we're going to move on to the bad news. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard by now we're not breaking any news at this point, but Jordan Davis, uh, a for sure starter on the defensive line in 2021, tore his ACL in our scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, this is a really, really big blow. I think from a depth concern outside of cornerback and linebacker, this is probably – if you could pick five guys that you absolutely could not have hurt on the defense, Jordan Davis is one of them. So it's a pretty big blow. Uh, I think also on those lists, you know, you you put Aaron Belay, Martin Emerson, and uh, Emmanuel Fours. But we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about Jordan Davis. And he's worked extremely hard. He had a chance to have a breakout year and, and, to, and to get a, you know, a, a second-day draft pick at minimum uh, this year. Uh, we expect him to be back next year and to compete just like he, he would have this year, but it's going to be tough, especially for a big guy. Rehabbing that ACL in 12 short months is bad. It's really bad that it's right before the season because that's going to linger into next year. He's not going to be able to train in the spring at full strength. Uh, he's not going to be able to do summer conditioning at full strength probably. you know, Usually that's a 9- to 18-month injury. Uh, so really, really unfortunate for him, but – Really unfortunate for the Bulldogs. We do have some depth on that defensive line, but now that depth is going to become a concern. Um, it wasn't before, I don't think. I think you feel like you had plenty of bodies there to keep everybody fresh. And now you still have that, but you're one, maybe two guys away from really falling apart in, in that position group. So those that group has to stay healthy. Yeah. So I, just, I, hate, I hate it for the kids. I want to say work so hard to get this close to – Open weekend and it's bad, bad luck. I'm, I'm about to say, hell, I know he'll come back stronger from it. But like you said, we're one or two guys away from just being thin, and that's the one group where you truly need depth at. If, if you needed bodies at any, if you had, if you could pick a position to not be thin at, that's definitely the one. Now, the good thing is, in this scheme, not only uh, do you only play three linemen, so the, the bodies you do have, you can you know keep a little bit fresher. You're not playing four, maybe five guys like some schemes. Uh, you've got linebackers that can kind of that can kind of fit that mold at defensive end and kind of supplement your depth there a little bit. Uh, in fact, Jordan Davis played has played played linebacker in junior college, played linebacker last year uh, in, in a backup role. He's a defensive end this year. Uh, some other guys that have played both. So maybe, you know, you convert one of your bigger linebackers to kind of stand up on the defensive end there a little bit and give a couple guys a break. But like I said, gonna be gonna be difficult to navigate if you if it gets any thinner there. So right now I think we're gonna be all right. Jack Harris, uh DeMonte Russell are ready to take those snaps. We should be good. 
Um, a couple other things just around the com- the 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 college football landscape. I wanted to ask you, Lounge Doll, what did you think of this Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC alliance? You know, they're not they're not shifting their conferences in any way. They're not joining together into one big conference or, or swapping teams with each other or anything like that. But they're having some kind of alliance. What do you think? What is that supposed to mean? It rings of desperation. I agree. And, uh, it's, uh, I mean, basically trying to ensure, like, not to expand, like, it's going to halt the expansion of the playoffs. So, and trying to keep their major players in their league. So, so keep trying to keep Clemson from jumping the ACC. Joining, let's say, the SEC. Hell yeah. The uh, I do think I think their their kind of goal there is they're going to play some games with each other, and I think th- in their minds they think if we can schedule some really nice games with amongst our superpowers, so if we can get Ohio State and Clemson to play a regular season game, or uh, you know you got Oregon and Ohio State this year already, or you can get you know USC and Florida State some stuff like that, we can keep. That their, their their ACC and especially is probably thinking we can keep our big fish to us if we make it worth their while by scheduling some awesome games, you know. And I don't think if they wanted if the SEC would have them and they wanted to join the SEC, I think uh, I think that this would do nothing to stop them. This is kind of like you know stopping a, a uh, stopping a bullet with a paper bag, but we'll see, we'll see. Last thing I want to talk about in the college football, you know, overall uh, environment. Other uh, before we move on, to Mississippi State is some schools are requiring vaccines, and some professional organizations in, fo- in football and uh, other sports are requiring proof of vaccination for fans uh, as well. So, what do you, what do you think, and do you think that could happen here? Hello, buddy. Uh, if you can keep it apolitical while talking about it, you deserve an award. But I, I, I would, I would, uh, would, would, but it would behoove you to do so if you could do it. Let <laughs> me just say it that way. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's their right. I mean, it's their organization. I mean, they can do, we'll do what they want. But yeah, I think, I, again, it, it's a, if, you don't have to like the rule, but big, big, big organizations, especially private ones. Now, Mississippi State is a public school, so the, that gets a little bit different. And the the school I mentioned, uh, that the first school I think to do it in FBS was Tulane, a private school. Uh, well, New Orleans, the city of New Orleans, doing it. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's so that's why it's the Saints and Tulane. Yeah. Okay. So then that's that's a little bit different. I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna, and maybe Las Vegas is doing it instead of the Raiders. So I, I don't well, think Mississippi State Ra- wants Raider, to do that. Well, Raiders are doing it uh, like a hundred percent, like a vaccination card or proof of a negative test or something. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, the thing is, is the problem is, like, if they want to shut down, like for colleges, they shut down Kelvin. That's that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt them. The 
So, like, at Tulane, they can't tailgate? Like, if, if they do, I haven't heard any. Oh, if they do. Like, okay, okay. I thought you said no, that they had shut it down. No, I don't no, think do. I don't think the state government wants to do that. I know Mississippi State doesn't want to do that. But, now, on the other hand, as of this week, Mississippi State is leading, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi is leading the world in COVID cases per capita. The entire world. That's terrifying. You, you should look at Alabama. Is it? It's bad too. It's. I think it might be worse. They they've set up two field hospitals in Jackson. Like, like federal governments come in, set up hospitals in a parking garage because we don't have room. But it's it's getting bad. All right, we're gonna Hello. get off the COVID stuff. We don't want to bum y'all out, but. Like we said last week, we're going to talk about offense today. We'll talk about offense today, and we'll get into defense next week. Uh, just off the top of your head, real quick, Lounge, why is Mississippi State going to get better on offense this year? Another year in the system of Leach. year of experience for basically everybody, because everybody's basically young. And uh, so those kind of what my – just like, like – Leach says repetitions. You need you need reps. So more reps, and you actually have a summer, spring and summer camp. So that, that's basically just what I was basically summing up is reps and just experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I do think they will be better. But I'm going to ask you now to play devil's advocate. Why might they not improve this year? So try to try to try to think like an Ole Miss fan here for a second. I know that's hard because they don't really think, but why they would not improve? Right. So you got to get out of your nine and three prediction mindset here. Just the scheme compared to everybody else, like to the defense, like. You're not playing Pac-12 players every week down here, so I mean, I I mean, you got we got players. If anything, it it would have to be scheme. So you think you think if it if they don't get better this year, then the air raid just doesn't work in the SEC. I mean, uh, to an extent. I mean, I know sometimes it takes about three years for the league system to set in. Right. That this is a this is a different animal down here. You're right. The, the, the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve. So uh, I, I have faith that it'll, it'll get even get better. Just as I said a couple of shows ago, I noticed Leach was starting to run the ball just a little bit more toward the tail end of the year. So maybe he even realized, hey, maybe I should run a, a little bit more. I, again, I don't think he's he learned anything new about football. That being said, Leach is the type of guy that learns something new every day. So I, that's not what I mean. Like he didn't learn more than than you would expect him to last year. I think he actually we actually threw the ball the first four or six games. We probably threw the ball more than he even likes to throw the ball. But it's because when you've got a, a new quarterback in there, he's most of those run plays are checks. You know, he gets to check into them. And also, those runs weren't there when you can't establish the passing game at all. He doesn't run 
to he doesn't run to get the passing game started. He runs to complement the passing game to where that it keeps the defense honest and they can't play the uh, the three down lineman. But if you can't block anybody, then you can't run the ball. We couldn't block anybody last year. No, I'm gonna say our five could not block three. It, they 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 were recruited. To, for a power running game, a spread, or even in Dan Mullins, you know the spread, the spread power. I kind of, kind of how I call it, the zone read kind of deal. And it was a bigger adjustment without a spring season than we thought it would be. But that being said, uh, I do think the offense will get better. It always has in year two under under Mike Leach. And again, that's that's we got two examples here. We'll talk about it there a little bit. But you know, really everybody's back. You're missing a, a couple offensive linemen. Uh, <clears throat> but you're you're getting a couple uh, everybody back on the skill side of the ball on offense except for uh, Osiris Mitchell. You're adding Makai Polk. You're adding uh, Jameer Calvin. You're adding Teddy Knox. Those guys are going to be, I think, a real contributors this year. Especially Makai Polk. If you've heard uh, what's going on in camp, I think Teddy Knox might kind of be. Like the Tulu Griffin, Jaden Wally thing. If he comes on, it'll be later in the year when he gets his feet under him. But we really return eight of eleven starters. Now, on the surface, <clears throat> this is kind of where I think uh, a lot of the media people are are picking us to be a lot worse than we're, than I think we're going to do. Is they all think we're returning five starters because of Javante Payton, because of KJ uh, Costello, because of Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill played. Two games and one snap of the Arkansas game. Javante Payton played in the season opener, a little bit against Arkansas and against and a little bit against Ole Miss before he got hurt. And then he made he was on special teams in the bowl game. So that's really less than three games there. KJ was the reason you lost two games. I must say that no offense to KJ, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but that's an addition by subtraction. Right, right. Uh, was the reason he lost two games, then he played in three more, so he only played in, in half of your games. Uh, so those those starters, quote-unquote, that we aren't, quote-unquote, returning, uh, and of course you have Osiris Mitchell in there too, he played every game and did fine. Um, those make it look like on the surface that we're losing a lot more production than we are. When you think about in terms of yards, what we're returning, it's almost everybody. Uh, you know, your leader was Jaden Wally last year. Your leaders on the ground were, although you didn't get too many ground yards, were uh, Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. They're both back. You add Contravion Hargrove to the running back room. I've heard he's been good enough to where he'll be a good complement to those three guys. Those two guys kind of give them a little bit of a break if they need it. I'm, I'm really excited about the offense. I went and did some math. I need everybody to calm down. I know if you listen to the old show, you know, I would do some math about baseball. Some baseball. I love baseball math. I'm a big baseball. I, I hate math unless it's related to baseball. But uh, I'm about to go through on here, and we're going to just discuss these numbers here a little bit. So I, I went and I took Mike Leach's first year at Texas Tech and his second year at Texas Tech, and I found the difference in points per game, yards per game, Yards per play, a couple other things, too. Found the difference between year one and year two under Mike Leach at Texas Tech. I wrote those down. Okay? Stay with me here. I know some of us are have that Mississippi education that we all love, and I'm one of them. So i got to talk slower. I'll confuse myself. Washington State, 
I took Mike Leach's first year. I took the offensive stats, you know, points per game, yards per game, yards per play, some other things, touchdowns, turnovers, whatever. I took his second year at Washington State, all those stats, and I got the difference between his first and second year. So I got the difference between his first and second year at Texas Tech and the difference between his first and second year at Washington State. I averaged the two differences together, his Texas, Tech's, his Texas Tech difference and his Washington State difference. And I want to talk about some of these stats that are really interesting before I tell you what I did with that average. So keep that in your head. I know Lounge Dog, is, his head is spinning right now. You ain't kidding. Uh, so last year, Mississippi State, some numbers I want to talk about. We had 25 turnovers in 10 games. Just so y'all know, that is a lot. And I guess 11 games. Well, I should say 11 games. Get the bowl game. I forgot about the bowl game. But in 11 games, that that's a lot of turnovers. Okay. Uh, with some sh- a couple shanked or blocked punts, you know, you could almost count that as a an extra turnover. I remember Tucker Day hurt his groin and punted one like six feet right to a guy at uh at uh Tulsa that doesn't count as a turnover because he actually got the punt away but it might as well be you know right Texas Tech had 25 turnovers to only 31 touchdowns in 2000 in 2001 they had 18 turnovers to 47 touchdowns their touchdowns went up by 16. Excuse me, let me make sure that's right. Yeah, by 16, and their turnovers went down by 7. So that's that's impressive there. Um, trying to make sure I get all this right. Okay, so I actually had a mistake here on my numbers, so i got to add that back. Let's see, 14. How many touchdowns did we have last year? 25. Okay. All right, anyway, sorry about that. So, yes, Texas Tech had jumped, went down seven turnovers, went up 16 touchdowns. If you look at Washington State, they actually went up in turnovers, which was almost impossible because they had 30 turnovers in 2012 in 12 games. That's that's insane. 30 turnovers in 12 games is, is, is monstrous. That's 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 almost exactly what we did last year. If you don't, if you had, if we had twenty five turnovers in ten games instead of eleven, it would have been the exact same. But you remember, like all those interceptions last year were just ridiculous. Now, thirty turnovers to only twenty nine touchdowns in two thousand twelve. They had a rough year. You know, they had a rough year the all, the the six or eight years before that too. So they were used to it. But Mike Leach, you know, the cover was pretty bare up there in Washington State. Uh. He turned that around. He actually had more turnovers the next year. So that, again, kind of sounds scary. Just five more. But I, I did dug a little deeper. It's because they possessed the ball so much more. They actually had long, more sustained drives and more opportunities for turnovers. They also went from 29 touchdowns to 51 touchdowns. They went. They scored 12 more touchdowns in that year. They scored, let's do some of these points per game. They scored 11 more points per game. The Texas Tech scored... Nine more point, just under nine more points per game under uh, year two under Mike Leach. Uh, Texas Tech had about sixty more yards of offense, which isn't that many. Washington State had about ninety more yards of offense, which is pretty good. Uh, I like this completion percentage because I think we're ahead of schedule on completion percentage. So Texas Tech, their first year, they they only completed sixty point seven percent of their passes. 
and then they completed 69% the year after that. So they jumped up a, a good bit, almost 8%. If you look at Washington State, they only completed 58.2% of their passes that first year. Now you see where all those turnovers come from, and if you're only completing 58% of your passes in the air raid, you know you're 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 having a lot of a lot of you know n- not not a lot of success I should say on third down. You're having three a lot of huh? Three and outs, what you trying to say? A lot of three and outs, but not even that. Like if you just think fifty eight percent, okay. Let's just think. Three, what's fifty eight percent of eight plays? That's six. That's sixty percent of eight plays. That's six five to six plays where you're completing a pass. Well, all it takes is two incomplete passes, and you're really screwed on on a down right if, if they're in a row so i was just thinking like out of if, if you're starting off the 25 it takes about 10 plays to get to the goal line you're gonna if if four of those are incomplete passes if, if any two of those are in a row you're, you're done like your drive is over so that's kind of what i'm thinking there but anyway if you run all that's assuming he's passing on every down and he is and, and probably passing quite often in the air raid but anyway now our completion percentage last year, you know, they had right sixty percent or below. We completed sixty-seven percent of our passes next year. So I don't expect us to jump up eight points like uh, Texas Tech did. But if I just take that average, we would be completing seventy-three percent of our passes next year, which would be incredible. And he's had offenses do that before. He hit he, he, the re- completion percentage record, or the leader in college football uh, the last few years, year in and year out, has has been. Somebody at Washington State or somebody at Washington State has been close to it. So I really, really think that we're ahead of schedule in that regard. And you can see in his tenures later on at Texas Tech, you know, years down the road and years down the road at Washington State, that completion percentage was way up to around 70%. That would be really something to see. Last year we scored 21.36 points per game. You take that average that I just worked out from Washington State and Texas Tech, this year we would score 30.8 points per game. In modern college football, that's not a ton. You had several teams averaging almost 50 points a game last year, which is insane. And you also had a reduced schedule, and you had some other things that kind of play into that. You know, Kent State led led the country in points last year, and Kent State played four games. So I don't really count that. But, uh... That would get you up around middle of the pack in the SEC last year. And the way we expect this defense to play, I think that's plenty good enough to win most of your games. Last year, we only had 330, 340 yards per game last uh, in 2020. This year, if you add those stats back, we should expect to get 415 yards per game. That's a lot better. Yards per play, I think, is the most important metric on here. And it's one that's kind of overlooked. 4.9 yards per play in 2020. If we improve the way he's he's always improved, it'll be 5.7 yards per play. Which again, five, think about 5.7 yards per play. You're never getting if you keep your average, you know, you don't even need a third down, right? That's that's yeah. pretty good. That that's kind of where that metric is. If you average, if you keep your average and you never need a third down, then you're having a good yards per play versus if you need a third down on your average yards per play, it's not very good. Which is where we were last year with under 5 yards per play. Uh, last year we had Get this right. 25 turnovers, 25 touchdowns. If you apply that to our metric this year, it would be 23 turnovers, which, again, I think that's one of those stats that's a little bit odd. But more consistent is the touchdowns. You would have 39 touchdowns. And that's actually the stat that I messed up when I was fixing a minute ago. 
39 touchdowns, and if you add your defensive touchdowns from last year, you know, that's 43 total. But that, of course, we don't have to do that. You don't, you can't really predict defensive touchdowns. But that's a lot better. 39 touchdowns, if you think about per game, you play 12 games. You know, you're scoring just on touchdowns 25-ish points per game, and then you get, you know, a couple field goals and, of course, extra points in there, right? You're doing good. So I really, really like uh, – where I expect the team to be in 2021, that doesn't mean there aren't some concerns, and we'll get to those in a minute. One other thing I want to say about Texas Tech and Washington uh, State before we get move on is that Texas Tech team lost six starters on defense and three skill starters on offense. Now, the I use sportsinference.com. That's the best website I can find. I tried to find their rosters for those years on their on the school website. Washington State only goes back to 2013, so that doesn't help me. If I did, they had gone back one more year, I would have been fine, but they didn't. And Texas Tech website, they had the rosters, not from 2000, 2001, but they had like a couple from the – it was weird. Texas Tech's website was weird, but I don't know what – long story short, I don't know what offensive linemen were there or weren't there because they put the, the, grad, the graduation year on sports inference when they had the rosters for every player but the offensive linemen. And I guess it's because they weren't accruing any stats because offensive linemen don't have official stats. But, uh, okay. Sorry, I had a bit of a technical difficulty there. But uh, I don't have, I don't know what offensive linemen moved on from that Texas Tech and that Washington State team because they didn't put what class they were. I don't know why. But Texas Tech lost six starters on defense and three starters from skill positions on offense. So a receive, two receivers and a running back uh, that were the biggest load carriers for most of the year. Washington State lost four starters on defense and, again, three skill starters on offense. And we, we don't have the offensive line numbers. So we only, we're only going to lose three starters on defense. Okay, That's Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, who didn't play the last three games, and Errol Thompson, who – missed a game because of a stupid targeting call. And only one skill starter on offense, and that's Osiris Mitchell, but of course you bring in Makai Polk, you bring in Jameer Calvin, so you're not going to miss that guy's numbers unless uh, something drastic happens. So I think you could fully expect, and I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do guys is we don't want to just be confident or have faith with no basis, right? It's kind of like, and I'm not comparing this to the church or to, or to religion, but it's kind of like, you know, our faith in, in God. We don't, we don't just believe in God because we were told to. We believe in God because we've seen evidence. We believe what the Bible has to say, if, you, if that is what you believe. Uh, we believe in what the difference he's made in our lives, whatever. I'm trying to show you that there is evidence for us to be optimistic about the offense next year. Okay? There is... There is reasons to be confident that we could at least make make the proper strides i don't think we're going to win the west next year this year I, i'm not saying that at all but the offense will be better and as good as we expect the defense to be because again just going off the evidence the defense is going to be maybe a hair better than last year uh free of if you keep free of injury that is if they're a hair better than last year and the offense takes a, a, a good two or three steps forward you're going to be a pretty good football team and it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, some other things, just talking about who we expect to produce next year. Of course, we expect Jaden Wally. We expect Makai Polk. Uh, we think 
who what player outside of you know Will Rogers and probably I'll just I'll knock off Jaden Wally and 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 Will Rogers. What other player are you expecting big things out of in the offense next year? I expect I expect Austin Williams to carry a big load as well. Uh, you mean I'm gonna go with Austin Williams? What'd you say? I said Austin Williams. Are you a- were you asking me or were you? I thought you were about to talk about I'm, him a little bit more. Um, I mean, talking about another guy. I think hit him. I think he's gonna pick up some of the sacks. I feel like. Jaden Wally's made a reputation. He built a reputation in this league. So I think people are going to potentially start doubling him. Or, what well, am I kidding? They're playing zone. But I think Austin Williams, he's that little Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type guy, find the holes and kind of sit. And, and, and now he's, he's a quick guy. I think he's going to make decent damage for yards after the catch. So. But there, that's your bold prediction in this. Your bold prediction is Austin Williams getting yards after the catch. I, I can see it. I, if learning this offense, you know, it's it's also about knowing where to run. It's when you sit in the hole, do you curl to the right or curl to the left? Do you curl away from the defender or right into him? But if Austin, if Austin Williams starts getting yards after catch, we might not lose a game. I think you're right, though. I think he could do it. Uh, somebody that I'm expecting a lot out of, and this is, you know, you're kind of your knock on wood moment, because I think if this guy gets hurt, your your team could fall apart, and it's that fragile right now, uh, unless you just find some crazy depth that you didn't think you had. But Charles Cross, I think, can have an amazing year. He uh he played the most snaps uh last year uh, aside from Darian Parker, uh who I think played almost every offensive snap last year, very few. Um. He did a lot of good things. Of course, a lot of people saw his lowlights, you know, the opposite of his highlights, and said that he wasn't doing good or whatever. Charles Cross was was solid all year, uh, especially in pass protection. He, you know, he had that first round grade coming out of high school. That's what a five when you, when they're picking five stars, guys, three five five star, four star, three star. They are trying to pick. This is how they do it. Let's say it's the year, in Charles Cross's case, it's the year 2019. In 2019, they are trying to pick the 32 players that are selected in the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. That's how that works. That is how the star system works. And he's got a first-round grade this year uh, in the preseason, and I think he's going to be able to make some money for himself, but also make us a lot better on that side. I think he's going to take ownership of that position. You know, he's been described as a quiet, soft, strong, silent type, the really hard worker that uh, keeps his head down and just grinds it out. So we'll have to see how that goes. I, I expect some good things out of Charles Cross this year, and he's going to have to stay healthy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, anything else you have to talk about the offense? Other than we're going to get into how we expect it to work a little bit. I could make a bold prediction and say we average about maybe about 90 rushing yards a game. 
okay. I I think okay. Uh, that's kind of what I want to get into. I'm glad you said that. So, Lounge has a a I call it a lukewarm prediction because I'm kind of with you there. He thinks we're going to average about 90 yards per game on the ground. Uh, looking at some of these stats from these other two teams, they did have, you know, about 80 to 110 yards per game uh, on, on all four of these teams that I looked at the, on, on the ground. They, they were not as inept on the ground as we were last year, uh, for sure. And that, again, that probably has to do with, you know, you have nothing but freshman running backs, freshman quarterbacks, freshman uh, – up front, two uh, redshirt freshmen and Charles Cross and uh, Cam Jones, stuff like that. But we did run the ball a lot better the last few games. If you look at the Missouri game and the Tulsa game, uh, you're, that that is a rushing offense that anybody would take, not just an air raid guy. If you're in a spread offense, if you're in a – you know, a zone read offense. If you're in pretty much anything but the triple option, you'll take those rushing numbers any day of the week. I mean, we, we were doing that good, that well, I should say. I think this upcoming year, we've already known in practice they've run the ball a little bit more this year. I think this upcoming year, you're not going to see, this is what everybody thinks, oh, we're going to get back to like 50-50. We're going to run the ball. You're not going to see that. You're not going to see Mike Leach uh, come out and – change his offense that has worked for so long. Okay, that's something's going to happen. But the team is going to be able to find more wrinkles because they're more experienced, and they're going to learn when, as a team, because it's not just the coach that's to learn this. The quarterback, especially the offensive lineman, the, the center who's calling the checks, they have to learn when is the best time to run the ball, when is the best time to you know, pitch it out or to shuffle pass it or something like that instead of uh, – Drop back and 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 let it and let it let it rock and fire. You know, I trip it over my words there a little bit. I think this year you're gonna still pass. You know, 65% of the time, but you're gonna have, especially with the experience of Jaquavius Marks. He's an all-purpose back out of the backfield. He got a, a he got his feet wet last year. You're gonna see him use a little bit more in the run game, and then also an extension of that passing game. If last year we threw it to the running back, you know, two seconds too late. When the ball, by the time the ball gets there, there's a linebacker waiting on him to light him up as soon as he catches it. He's not able to catch the ball with his shoulders square to the defense. He's having to turn around to catch it. That's the kind of things that you get better on, and those are really extensions of your running game. When you're able to get the, the quick passes to the running backs on your checkdowns, and I say checkdowns, sometimes it's the first or second read. When you're able to get that, suddenly you have to have the defense has to play honest. They have to, you know, have a four or five man front. They have to commit linebackers to stopping that. Stop, uh, they have to keep an eye on the running back, and then suddenly you're able to be a little bit more deceptive and run the ball. You're able to run the quarterback draw, which they've run a little bit. You're able to uh, run the, the option uh, sweep a little bit because things open up and they loosen up a little bit. You know, It's kind of like in a boxing match. You can't get anybody, get at his face or anything. You start with a couple body blows, and then suddenly his elbows start dropping down to kind of protect. Now you can go for the chin. That's kind of how it is. With this offense, you know, you got to kind of pick, uh, soften it a couple times. That's how football works. <clears throat> Make them do something they don't want to do because teams aren't going to want to commit to stopping the run at all. They're not going to want to commit to stopping the check down more than they have to. You make them have to do that, then suddenly not only does it open up your run lanes, but it makes you more wide open over the top for you to have somebody take the top off the defense like Tulu Griffin, 
like, you know, Makai Pope maybe or Jaden Wally or a big guy like Malik Heath. Uh, it all complements each other. And I think this year you're going to get a little bit better playing complementary football. And it's weird to say complementary football because when people hear that, they think, yeah, your run game is like 50%, you're passing 50% of the time, and then your, as far as your yards go, 60% of your yards in the pass, 40% on the ground. With us, it's going to be like 80-20 for our yards, okay? And it's going to be like uh, maybe 75-25, and it's going to be like 65-35 uh, for our play calling, you know, 65% pass, 35% run, if, if that. But that doesn't mean that they can't complement each other. You, you know what I mean? Lounge Dog knows what I'm talking about. He understands all this. Oh, I get you. So I, I think things can be a lot better uh, in 2021. You're not going to have, I don't think, <sighs> offensive linemen just getting whooped by three. Th- that's kind of where it all hinges, though. The thing that brings all my theories crashing down is if the offensive line can't play. And that's that's not just the air raid. That's any offense. If they haven't right. gotten better, um, there's going to be some trouble. Now, from what I've heard – What'd you say? And some changes. Oh, yeah. Some changes at position coach, some changes at hopefully just that. Uh, Players. Changes in players, but you got to, you know, you got to keep a couple couple of what you got. But, yeah, I I expect, here's what I think could happen. Um, Well, let me say this first. As of yet, nobody has reported to me that they've started mocking you know, imitating the drop three, excuse me, the drop eight, you know, rush three in practice yet. They're kind of just going against their own defense, which our defense is very tough. I think our defensive line, especially before Jordan Davis was out, is very salty. Uh, I've heard Tyrus Weed out of that linebacker spot is unblockable. So they're getting their their licks in, and they're, they're getting tougher. Still having to figure out their new positions. You move some guys around this year, and they got to mesh and get a little bit more comfortable there, and I think they will. And a year in the system is going to help them a lot. But I have not seen yet if they're going to be able to, to, to block three. I think they will. Hopefully they will. And uh, they'll be able to uh, work on that in practice. I, I expect the week before we play Louisiana Tech, they'll do that a lot. The, they'll have to have the defense rush three, drop eight to see how we do against it. And, of course, if you beat it, all you got to do is beat it once or twice and then people won't do it anymore because that's that, – Defense really puts you in a tough position. Uh, you check down to the running back once or twice in that, and you get a few yards, or you uh, block three and then just hand it off, or you run the quarterback draw that way a couple times, and people have to quit doing that. And we can get out of it. We could run the offense that we really want to run. So all they have, they don't have to. It's not like if they're good at it that they're just going to be dogging on a drop, uh, drop uh, eight rush three. All, all season long because everybody's going to stay in it once we beat it. That is such an odd defense. You know, nobody's going to run that after you've proven you can handle it once or twice. So hopefully they can uh, do that and, and demonstrate a little bit more efficacy in that regard. So talked about the scheme. Uh, I, now I, I should really ask, is there any is there any final remarks on the offense that you'd like to say before we close out? Nah, not really. I've said anything. It's going to be. I'm excited to see the, the progression of Will Rogers. Very so, excited to see. You know, it's kind of weird. We had an offensive show. We barely talked about quarterback. 
But Will, I think Will Rogers, partially because we really talked about positions last week in practice, everybody where they were and everything like that. You know, Will Rogers is the guy. Jack Abraham still hasn't practiced. Chance Lovertich is, is making a, a run for it, but he's just not. It's not going to be enough unless Will Rogers falters somewhere. Say Sawyer, Sawyer is looking pretty good as well, of course. I've heard Sawyer looks good. He's not getting nearly the reps, though. He's getting like 10% of the reps that Will Rogers is. So if he's looking good, it's still on a small sample size. And against the threes, the twos and threes. But he, he's, he's at the point to where, you know, middle of the season, I could see him being the number two quarterback. I, you know, come November, if I could see him being the next guy we put in. I really hope he gets his four games. He plays... You know what I mean? He gets his red shirt games, but yeah, Will Rogers. I think he's gotten a lot. He's going to be a lot better than he was. You know, in those games he was coming in as the backup. I think he'll be a lot better than that. Towards the end of the year, uh, outside the Auburn game, you know, I'm talking about the Georgia game, the Ole Miss game, which he actually outdueled Matt Corral in that game. Uh, the Tulsa game. I think that's going to be more the Will Rogers that you see. He is a bit of a gamer. He 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 doesn't impress anybody as much in practice as he does when he gets out and, and the lights come on and it gets real. Uh, I do think he's a guy that very, very competitive. He's a student of the game, coach's kid. He, he Coach Leach says he watches film all, all the time. I think he's going to be probably the one of the biggest reasons why we can still be successful because he's, gonna, he's an underrated quarterback. I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys thinking, a lot of defensive coordinators thinking, this is a quarterback that, that's really dangerous. This is a guy that could really hurt us. He's got a lead arm, all that stuff. But but they're going to find out the hard way the first couple games that Will Rogers is is, is real. It's for real. Uh, especially if he's able to fight off you know all this competition. I really wish Jack Abraham had been hurt had, had not been hurt so that he could push him a little bit harder. Uh, but that's the that's still the way it goes. And it's not like Chance Levertich is a slouch out there. He's he's pushing him too. So anyway, we'll move on from. Offense, we will continue our Friday show uh, kind of schedule. So we'll, a week from today, you'll get your next show. And we'll talk about defense, which is my favorite thing to talk about. And be a little bit more excited every single day. We get closer and closer. I think today we're 15 days out from football. Uh, we're, only, we're only eight days out from college football. So there will be a college football game next Saturday. Not tomorrow, but the next week. I know you're all excited about that, but as this week, uh, two weeks from Mississippi State's opener against Louisiana Tech. You can find Lounge Dog on Twitter at lounge underscore D-A-W-G. You can find me on Twitter at Colton8S Watson, although I'm sure most of you are accessing this podcast from Twitter in the first place, uh, so you probably already know that. But we're going to tweet out uh, all the information you need to listen to the show, and thanks for all the support. And... Thanks for listening. Anything else you got to add to that? I'm about to say, just, y'all get ready. I'm about to say, nine and three, here we come. Here we go, nine and three. Nine and three or die. Tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening, like I said. As always, swing your sword and hail state.